All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Transcend with M. And here I am with Amy Peterson. She is going to share a little bit about her story, a little bit about her journey. And we hope that her story helps you fulfill your tomorrow and helps you take a step forward into whatever it is that you are today. You know, each journey is different. Uh, each one of you is different. And we all resonate with different people based on our experiences. So welcome, Amy. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me, Monica. I'm excited to be here. I am excited to have you. And we're just going to dig in and ask you specifically, who is Amy? And uh, how did she got here? Uh, start with the hardest question you could ask. <laughs> Do any of us really know who we are? I, don't, I think we're a work in progress. Ah, that's what I was going to say. You stole yeah. my line. I'm a work in progress. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I, I truly, I do believe that um, I'm a work in progress. Um, you know, I think, you know, life is just a sort of a collection of moments in time that, you know, sort of at the end of our life is sort of like, right, then you get this book. <laughs> uh, that tells your story in totality and its completion. And so like, we're all sort of waiting for the end to be able to like, what is it? What was the, you know, what was the story about? Um, but, um, um, you know, I am a born and bred in Worcester. Um, you know, very few people, uh, and whenever I say that, people are say, really, you never moved away. You never lived anywhere else. Uh, but no, I, I, I've worked on the same block my entire life. I've worked downtown. I worked at a radio station. I worked at an arena and now I work at city hall and it's all on one city block. Yes. <laughs> yes. I love it. I love it. And you know, Eric was so insistent. He was like, Monica, you have to talk to Amy. She is fantastic. And I really think that you're going to be super impressed with her story. Oh, so So, you know, we've known each other for a little bit. And, you know, for those that know him, that don't know him, he's the first Latino city manager of the city of Worcester, which is amazing. Um, and, but besides that, he grew up with, like, my husband and, and his cousins and stuff like that. Um, and I was very uh, excited because he he put so much, um, he was very intrigued. And it was like, I was like, he got my attention. Oh. So what is, what is Amy's story? How is she a pillar and supporter of the community? How did she got here today? And where is here? That's a good so question. I know 700 questions at once, but you start with, you start with whichever makes you feel more comfortable. <laughs> well, first, I'll um, I'll thank the city manager tomorrow uh, and give him uh, his reward. I'll pay him for saying so many nice things about me. Uh, but to be honest, he's you know I'm so honored to work for him because he's breaking a lot of boundaries in city government uh, in doing th thinking differently, which is one of the things I like to do is to you know, challenge the status quo and, and not, you know, think like just because something's been done way, one way for a certain number of years, that that's it. We can't change our systems, our practices, our policies. And 
he's really challenging people to do that um, and to get outside of their comfort zone, which is really different for city government where things have been done, you know, followed a certain standard for so many years. Um, and not just in Worcester, that's, you know, across the board, you know, in government, municipal government, state government, federal government. So um, I, I'm honored to work for him and feel like I'm, I'm truly a part of uh, this moment in time where we're really at a pivotal moment and things are, are right on the sort of like precipice of change. Um, and, you know, for me, my entire life has been about like I have I've never applied for any of the jobs I've had. Um, I, I've gone through interview processes, but I've, I've been sort of um, recruited in. And so the the journey that I've taken, you know, from college to now has never been uh, very like prescribed. You know, I didn't have a particular like trajectory that I wanted to be on other than I wanted to make a difference in some small way. Um, and I think in, in everything that I've done, whether it's been through my career uh, professionally or through passion projects that I've done on the side that help feed my sort of creative spirit um, have, have done that. And but but not in the way that the position that I'm in now, which I'll, I don't know if I've even said, uh, but I do. I work. I'm the chief of staff to uh, city manager Eric Batista, and so um, usually when people ask me like, what what do you do, and I just say other duties as assigned because every <laughs> single day is different, and I never played sports. I'm not an athlete, but suddenly I'm like, oh, I get the idea of like duck and weave and like pivoting on the court, and like because I feel like a little bit like an athlete <laughs> with how that's a great analogy. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, I, you know, uh, as I said, I've never, I, you know, I went to Worcester state, uh, it's university. Now it was college when I was there, uh, uh, state university. And, uh, I, you know, I'm not embarrassed to tell this story anymore, but when I first applied to college, I wanted to be a speech therapist. So I applied for what I thought was communications disorders. That's what I thought I checked off on my application. And instead it was just communications. <laughs> and so when I was accepted into the program, um, I frankly was just too lazy to change it because I was a kid and didn't, I was like, oh, they have to be kind of like, the core courses are the same, right? You still have to take all the same. So I'll just switch, you know, at a later time and never did. Um, and stayed in communications, which I think was a little bit of a kismet because that's sort of what set me off on my path um, from college um, and going right into my, I applied for an internship uh, my sophomore year in college and got accepted to the Walt Disney World College program. And I was really excited because I was like, who doesn't Very want to nice. Florida? It's warm. It's and my my younger sister, who was in high school at the time, um, yeah. and this is part of the resiliency that you were talking about in the beginning, because I owe a lot of credit to the strong women in my family, my sister being one of them, um, found out that she was pregnant um, mm. and um, being in high school and, you know, needing, you know, as much support as she could um, get. I delayed my internship opportunity and stayed home to help be there with the family and with my sister and proudly just proud to say that my niece, my niece graduated from Worcester State University. 
uh, last year and is now a registered nurse and working out in the field. So, uh, wow. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, my niece is so independent. My, my, my sister who's, you know, has her own story of resiliency. Um, I just, I have a lot of strong women in my network who I rely a lot on. Um, but so I postponed that internship and then the following year applied again after my niece had been around for a little while and everybody was comfortable and my, um, my, uh, um, internship director um, at the school said, I'm not going to allow you to take this internship because you're going to go down to Florida and you're never going to come back. You're never going to graduate. It's an awful program. They pay people the bare minimum, not even minimum wage. You work 110 hours a week. It's awful. He's like, oh my goodness. Yeah. Wait, wait to share you up, huh? <laughs> yeah. I was like, so I, uh, he, he said, do that. Do me a favor. He said, Think about some other things you might be interested in and apply for some local internships. And let's talk again in, in a couple of weeks. So I did. I applied for an internship for a local radio station and um, got it. And he approved of that with flying colors. So um, and so I ended up, you know, for the remainder of college working at that radio. So I did my internship and then they hired me part time. And then when I graduated, they offered me a full-time job um, as the marketing director for, it was three radio stations in one. So I became the marketing director for all three. Um, so th that's sort of my my first story of like how I got my first job and not really, which I appreciate now what kids are doing, like they're graduating from college and the, the, the grind of like having to apply for jobs and send your resume to so many different places. And the interview process is so grueling. Um, so I, I feel very like privileged that I didn't have to do that coming out of college. And so, I, and that was such a fun job. I got paid next to no money um, <laughs> to stay living at home with, uh, with my parents for a while, because it was sort of one of those jobs that was like, you know, I was getting my feet wet. I was learning a lot. Um, and I did that for a few years. And then um, out of the blue, I worked very closely with the folks over at the DCU Center, which is our local arena and convention center uh, in Worcester. And yeah. they, I had worked closely with them on like music promotions when they were doing concerts and we were playing the songs on the radio and working with the record raps. Um, so we would work together on stuff. And I got a call out of the blue one day from the uh, director of marketing there who said, I'm, I took another job, pursue some other passions of mine. And I think you'd be really great uh, as my replacement. Would you be interested? Well, oof, what do I know about concert marketing and event marketing? I know radio. I know yeah. music. And I don't know if I know enough about this. But um, after going in, you know, kind of like, you know, talking with my family about it and, you know, I was really nervous, but I took the leap and ended up there for just shy of 10 years. Wow. Um, doing event uh marketing and some regional tourism marketing as well because it's a convention center um and i will say there too to stay on that sort of sort sort of story of resiliency that uh, and shout out to sandy dunn who's the general manager there who really has become you know one of my mentors um in work and in life um but she was the first female gm 
uh, ever wow. hired with the company that manages that is a national company. Um, and she was the first female GM in the entire company in the nation. Uh, wow. You know, she started, we might need to interview her too. She's amazing. I'm, I'm happy to put you in touch. Uh, her stories are, are in, in really in very male dominated industry. It's more diverse now, but when she started, it was completely male dominated. Still, yeah. still a lot, but um, and so she's got some some really impressive stories, but started off as the um, secretary there back when we still called them secretaries and um, and worked her way up the ranks and became uh, the general manager. And so um, so I had a lot of like good support from her as well. And like I said, she's you know, as I've continued to grow in my own, you know, professional life, she's been mm -hmm. a big uh, cheerleader for me. Uh, which you wouldn't have thought when I left because she was very upset when I left. Um, but I bet. nobody likes to lose a good person. Yes, yeah. And, and you know, <laughs> she, in, you know at, at that time too, she was sort of mentoring me to take on a booking position there. Um, or maybe not a full position, but to, to do more of the booking with the agents. And so, you know, I was learning new skill sets while I was there. And so at the yeah. time it was... You know, we thought maybe I'd continue my professional trajectory with her, but um, but in that, you know, as I said, having not applied for uh, these positions, I got a call from the the city manager's office at the time, city manager Ed Augustus, uh, previous to uh, city manager Batista, and he had seen me speak at an event and had been contemplating bringing in somebody to do marketing and social media and storytelling and more of the community, you know, a broader communication strategy right out of his office. And so, um, you know, when I first got the call, the city for, for, your, for your viewers who don't know, DCU Center is owned by the city. And then, you know, we contract. I didn't know that. Um, and then we contract with the management company to manage the venue and book all of the shows and, but it's owned, it's an asset of the city. So I thought I was getting called yeah. to the principal's office oh. when I got the call from the city manager's yeah. office. Oh no, what did we do wrong? We're owned by this. I must've done something wrong. Why would they just be calling me in for a meeting? And it was to pitch me on coming to work for the city. Um, so I, there, there was sort of the next chapter in my professional career. Um, and that was now six or seven years ago. Um, so that I've been with the city and, you know, and I was in a communications role for a number of years and then did some project management before, um, uh, Eric was, uh, appointed the acting city manager. And then that's when I, um, kind of yeah. took a leap over to support him um, as his chief of staff. So, um, so that's sort of the story of how I got to City Hall. I got, <laughs> but I did not get off of the all. As I said, one city block. I haven't gotten off of it. But they've all been. They've all <laughs> so literally, been. you can walk from one to the other in like three minutes. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So it's you know they've all contributed greatly um, uh, to my life. Um, I just haven't gotten far. <laughs> yeah. Well, you've gotten far in life. Right? You've gotten I mean, it's, far. it's great that you don't spend all that money in gas. I mean, you saved a lot of money through the years. That's a good thing. And good thing. <laughs> I, during the pandemic, I moved 
Yeah. The Shrewsbury. Oh, so I'm not far. I'm over on Shrewsbury Street, off of Shrewsbury Street. So I'm yeah. like just over a mile from City Hall. So yeah. I said, well, I should be able to walk to work. So I made a commitment to either walk or bike to work when it's nice out. Yes. <laughs> That is four months out of the year, people. Yeah, exactly. Just so you know. <laughs> I love your journey. I think it's pretty amazing. Did you ever, did you ever like go back and say, what if I, you know, sometimes we kind of have these regrets, right? Like, what if I, what if I, you know, went to that, you know, internship? And sometimes, you know, we fast forward in time. Now the question is, you know, what if I never really um, had taken this leap that I took here, mm -hmm. right? Like it is, it is a questioning of, you know, what could have been, but have you, have you thought about doing it differently at all? Yeah, I, I definitely, I think about how my life would be different had I taken that internship and moved to Florida Um, whether that would have been for one semester or not, you know, I think my life would have been different regardless. If I came back yeah. to Worcester, I, you know, you're, you know, I think all of those experiences shape who we are and, yes. you know, the people that we meet and the things that we do. So I think my life would be different, but I, you know, I definitely don't think I would change it. Um, I think that everything, you know, the first time that the internship didn't happen was because, my niece was brought into this world and I cherish her and I cherish uh, the moments that I have with her so much. And like, so that was, you know, meant to be right. That was, that was the first indication that, that I wasn't going there. Um, and then having, you know, the support of somebody to say, no, this isn't a good choice. Um, so I do believe that things happen for a reason. I, I regretted for a little while, not moving away from Worcester. And it's not that I don't love Worcester and that I think that I would have ended up back in Worcester eventually. It's kind of like a boomerang. I feel like people tend to go back home at some point in their life, you yeah. know, but, you know, I do think that, you know, living, moving and having those experiences of living in other places, you get, you know, different regional experiences, you get different, you know, cuisines, you get different, you meet different people who speak different languages who, mm -hmm. um, and so, and, you know, I think when you grow up in one place, you only know how that place operates. So when you go yeah. somewhere else, you kind of, you know, it broadens your mind uh, a bit. So I, I regret a little bit having not done that, but I'm making up for lost time by, for not having done that now by traveling more. Yeah. Um, And I've made a commitment to myself to um, travel at least once internationally a year um, and then to try to get around to see more of our own country that so much of it for me is, has yeah. been unexplored. Um, right. So I, um, so last summer, I actually, this was, that was the beginning of my, was my commitment was last year. And yeah. I went to Qatar, which is in the Middle East. Very um, nice. For two weeks um, last summer and I traveled there by myself. So that was sort of my first time traveling internationally by myself and exploring a new city uh, that's very different uh, or a country that's very different. Um, and so that's been sort of my um, compromise to having never moved away. 
<laughs> that's fantastic. That's fantastic. And how do you feel that you have evolved along with everyone around you um, with the contributions that you are making to our, you know, our city, to our people? Mm. Oh, boy. I, I definitely feel like I've evolved a lot personally um, as a person. I, you know, I think that the pandemic changed all of us in so many ways. You know, I think everybody took, you know, was forced to take a break, um, but took some stock, you know, took inventory and, and what they were doing um, and, um you know, what was, what was a priority to them? You know, what were the things that we were just doing because we were on autopilot every day? Um, and, and I did a little bit of that myself. I did my own sort of internal, um, soul searching, but, um, you know, frankly, you know, the safe space to share this and hopefully this resonates with some people, but, you know, I've had, you know, my fair share of, um, you know, low moments. Um, but I think all of those have also contributed to the evolution of who I am as a person, including, you know, divorce um, and, you know, death. I lost my mom in 2009. And that was, as I said, my, my mom, my sister, my grandmother were sort of like my foundation uh, growing up and taught me a lot about being a woman. Um, what that meant um, and how I experienced the world was through them. And so losing her was, was devastating. And then um, got divorced a few years ago. Um, and so that was another sort of hard moment in life um, where it was like one of those points in life where you say, okay, which, you know, where am I going now? You know, what do I do now? Do I know who I am without my partner? Do I know who I am living alone? Do I know, you know, where so much of your life is, you know, sort of like routine based, you know, you get up in the morning, you do X, if you've got kids, you get them on the bus, you get them off to school, you go to work yourself, then you get the kids and then you go to, you know, whatever, whatever your routines are, you just get into these. And my routine was broken. And so I had to reimagine um, my life. And, and not start over, but reimagine what my life looked like. Um, yeah. And then just as I started, and this will be the first time I'm sharing this uh, publicly, but, you know, just as I felt like, okay, I was kind of like settled, you know, it's been a couple of years, I'm getting back and um, found out in, um, you know, I had some medical problems last summer and found out I had to have uh, a hysterectomy. Oh wow! Um, Sorry right. to hear. Thank you. No, it's it's okay. I'm 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 good now. But um, that you was... look good. That's important. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but life changing in the sense that you know that would mean that I wouldn't be able to have children, uh, or that I that I couldn't carry children rather. And so that's something that I wrestled with. Uh, you know, in you know where I, again, you know, I came to another crossroad in my life of all right, well, I thought that by this age, I'd have children, you know, I'd be married, and I'd have children, and I'd be living that sort of like imaginary dream life that every little girl has. Um, and, you know, I'm, I, you know, when I pull that roadmap out, <laughs> I've gone that way. Um, 
but you know, I uh, once again kind of took inventory of like I feel yeah. so privileged that I get to do the things that I get to do every day and the work that I do and and work in a community that I love um, and affect real change and be a champion for people who you know need the support and maybe you know can't do it themselves. Um, yeah. And so that made me realize like, I'm so fortunate in that way. And, you know, and this is, so this is, this was part of my journey, right? That was, mm -hmm. I couldn't have foreseen it. Nobody is a fortune teller and can say, this is what's going to happen. Right. And, um, and there's so many other things that, you know, to focus on the good. Um, yeah. And so that's sort of, you know, where I continue to evolve as a person and understand who I am and how I fit into this world um, but it's really put, it's given me a lot of perspective about, um, you know, family, you know, what we consider, what we call family. Um, and I tend to call like, you know, the people that I work with family because I'm with them so much and the work yeah. that we do. We spend more time at work than home. Uh, uh, absolutely. And, and I think that the work we do sometimes is, is so profound um, and when I see the teams that get dispatched uh, from City Hall to go work with our unhoused population um, or when we're opening up shelters, um, you know, for people, you know, during the, you know, hot summers and cold winters, all the work that was done over the course of the pandemic, um, you know, even in the Worcester Public Schools, you know, making sure that kids had internet access so that they could continue to, you know, have their schooling remote. Um, to the work that we're doing now with um, the city manager um, through uh, uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion lens um, and really trying to diversify our workforce and um, make our workforce more representative of the community in Worcester and the population that actually lives here. So, uh, you know, a lot of the work, sometimes the work is, is grueling and sometimes um, it, it's hard, it's emotionally exhausting, but, and that's why I say like, we're, we're, we're like family here because we go through, you know, really, you know, we go through ups and downs and, you know, peaks and valleys and it's a journey. So I think the way we define family is, is different. It can be different than just the traditional sense of family. True, true. And I think, you know, we all have so much commitment towards the future, right? So we might not live enough to see it happen, but we do know that by contributing a little bit every day, we are closer to that goal, right? So, and it affects all of us. It's not just for one of us, it's for all of us. Um, so that's, that's pretty remarkable. Well, you're pretty amazing, I will say. Thank you. So, you know, all you, you, by mistake, you now, like you went to school, now developed this amazing career in communications and in marketing, and now chief of staff. How does that happen? I, I, I just want to know. And, you know, I haven't talked to a chief of staff before, you know, with the government. So let's tell me more about that role, like what encompasses, like, how are you able to redirect and direct certain needs? Mm -hmm. um, I think it's pretty cool for people to like, it's some 
something different that we really don't see anywhere else, right? So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so my, um, I would say, so my my strength, a lot of my strengths um, are in, um, you know, writing, public relations, marketing. So I've, I've done a lot of, you know, I work a lot with people, you know, whether it's in, you know, press or like working with our department heads and trying to sort of like get information from them so we can put together promotional pieces or, um, you know, kind of tell the story about the great work that they're doing in their departments that's contributing to our taxpayers' quality of life. Um, and I, I, and really, I think that's, you know, what I've taken to the chief of staff role is trying to be a good communicator internally to our employees and externally to our public. Um, I think that most things tend to get lost in translation because of poor communication. Um, okay. And so that's a big part of what I am. I, I, you know, I often say I'm like a navigator, you know, I'm kind of the person that helps navigate things and helps be a connector between people. But, you know, so I, I work very closely with um, the scheduler for the city manager on his schedule, which if I showed you his calendar, it might give you the highest level of anxiety you've ever seen. Um <laughs> If it yeah. looks anything like mine, I know. Oh, it is. <laughs> and, it's a, and it's a puzzle. It's constantly yeah. changing. It's like, you know, it's like a, you know, a chessboard, you know, you're constantly like yeah. moving things. And um, so part of it is managing his schedule and managing his meetings. Um, yeah. Part of it is, um, you know, moving him around the city. So when we get outside of city hall and he's going to public uh, appearances, speaking engagements, tours, um, ribbon cuttings, uh, whatever it is. So it's kind of like moving him around and making sure he gets there on time <laughs> and leaves on time so that he doesn't miss his next meeting. So I'm a little bit of a timekeeper. I'm the bad guy. You know, when somebody says like, oh, you know, the city you manager, wrap it up. Before, <laughs> like, it's me. <laughs> So I can come in as a bad guy when he's like, well, sorry, she's the boss. Gotta, gotta go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I also I manage, manage the communications team as well, which we have a you know staff writer, we have a media specialist, we have two content creators, and we have our entire cable services team that produces content for the city government channel and tapes all of our public hearings and meetings for boards and commissions. Mm -hmm. So um, a lot of that, you know, storytelling comes right out of the city manager's office. So I'm, I'm, you know, every day fielding media requests with our media specialists, reacting to the media or coming up with media pitches. You know, if we have a story on, you know, you know, with uh, Women's History Month, I said, let's come up with, you know, let's find, you know, some incredible stories of some of the women that are like pioneering different things across city government. Um, you know, there's there's so there's so much to tell. Um, and in particularly with the media, you know, I love, you know, I love everything about it. But I think that a lot of it can be a little bit sensational and everybody's chasing sort of, yeah. the, you know, the 
the sensational stories or the sexy stories. And there's so much good to tell that sometimes we're pitching stories to, to tell them other things that are happening that they might not know. So mm-hmm. um, doing a lot of that. Um, yeah. And um, sit, I sit in uh, on a lot of the meetings with the city manager. I, um, you know, work a lot with him on strategizing, um, you know, cabinet meetings. So he has his, you know, administrative cabinet and he meets with them monthly. So we strategize on, you know, what, is, what are his, you know, what are the, not the talking points, but what's the agenda look like? What's, you know, what did they need to know? Um, you know, when cabinet members uh, need anything, typically they'll come to me first and then I'll either go to the city manager. Or sometimes I can help avoid having to even like go to him if I can, if we could just figure it out so that, it can be mitigated before it even gets to him. So yeah. uh, it, it's, um, yeah, it's sort of like uh, a right-hand man, <laughs> which is an old, I guess an old adage, but. Um, you are so, like the city manager 2.0. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I love it. He's got a very busy schedule. So I usually say I'm like his shadow. So yeah. if you see how busy his schedule is, that'll tell you how busy my schedule is. <laughs> yeah. No, I hear you. I hear you. I try to keep up with my family schedule. Can't even. You know, and I know he protects his family time a lot. So that's... Uh, that's really that's really important too. And that's and that's where it come and that's where it's good to have a chief of staff too because it helps create barriers, right? And boundaries yeah. for him because when you're the person who's being asked directly, will you yeah. meet with me? He his inclination is to say yes to everything uh-huh. because, you know, he's one, he's he's just that kind of person, but two, he feels a responsibility to the public, to the taxpayer, to the business yeah. owners, to the city council, to it's a big job, second largest city in New England. And he also is carrying this new sort of, um, you know, with being the first person of color to be in that yeah. position. Um, you know, there's a lot of people who are looking up to him, you know, as um, as an example. So he feels a responsibility, as he should, you know, Mm -hmm. to say yes and to take every meeting. And but he has to balance, as we all do, you know, we all have to balance personal life with professional life. And I know that's harder to do these days with both Mm -hmm. from work from home, remote from our phones, we're constantly connected. And so it's hard to, like, separate, you know, when you're working and very, not very uh, hard but i think that when you have young children which he does it's it's important because those they're moments you'll never get back you, you know mm-hmm. you can't go back and be like geez miss it let's replay that roll <laughs> roll the tape back um and yeah. so it's important and i think he represents what a big a big part of our population is working parents who also mm-hmm. want that. So he represents the same thing. He also wants to give his family what everybody else wants to give their family. So that's where I come yeah. in. I can, cause I don't, I, and um, you know, obviously using, you know, typically we typically never say no. 
But yeah. sometimes we're finding alternatives to the meeting. Could it be yeah. a meeting with a department head? Because really they have the answer you're looking for. The city manager yeah. would be a pass through. So I can help, you know, we can bypass that and get you right to the department head. Mm -hmm. Or could we, you know, could we, could we fit it in as a phone call? Could we, yeah. so coming up with creative solutions that, is a, is a compromise but a good solution for everybody so you know the person gets what they want the city manager's schedule still is somewhat tolerable yeah. um, and everybody's happy, and everybody's happy. <laughs> so that's amazing that's amazing well thank you amy for like taking your time today and being here and sharing your amazing story i think it is remarkable and i think you are more powerful today because you were able to talk about things probably people won't won't share you know and i am glad that you are a true example of resiliency and an amazing journey that is just starting because i mean every day we we start anew right so i love that you know you are taking life so positively and that you know everything in all sacrifices you have made have been completely worth it and like you said Each journey is something that we have to go through mm -hmm. and it was meant to be. So thanks for sharing that, reassuring that, and, you know, keep doing the great work in the city of Worcester. Um, I've been in Worcester for 17 years now and everybody is like, well, when are, when are you moving? And I was like, I have everything I need right here. Yeah. <laughs> so hopefully we'll keep it that way. You know, that's yeah. the idea is we yeah. create space for people where they feel welcome and, in, yeah. and feel like they can call it home. Yeah, no, I, it's definitely home. I live, I always tell everybody I live, you know, half and half of my life, you know, my home country and half here. And it's, uh, it's pretty amazing that I can call both home yeah. at this point, you know, so it's, it's pretty great. So thank you so much for sharing. Uh, what will be one quick piece of advice for women listening today? Um, I would say to, to, you know, to really own your story and not to compare your journey to anybody else's because the things that you're experiencing are your own and you can't compare it to anything else because it doesn't happen the same for everybody. So own it. Um, the, I think the moment you take control and own the narrative and own the story and is when you start feeling like you're in your power. I love it. I love it. Well, everyone, here you have it. Amy Peterson um, here with us today sharing her story. And, you know, if you need anything, you can reach out to her office and they will try to help you in the city of Worcester. <laughs> Thank you so yes. much, Amy, for being here. Thank you, Monica. I appreciate <laughs> it. I'll see you soon. See you soon. Take care.